0: Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio as well as the Aaron Torres podcast. And AT, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon?
1: Pleasure, John. Uh, I believe this is the first time the three of us have spoken since my trip to Arkansas uh, really quick, want to thank, you know, everybody that came up to me and said they either listened to me on your show or on my podcast. And, you know, I had really a lot of people kind of reach out and just just welcome me to the state, including John Neighbors who was at the basketball game. So just really wanted to say, you know, I don't think I've been on your guys' show since, that uh, for those of you that I got to meet, I appreciate the hospitality. And for everybody that I didn't get to meet, I still appreciate the hospitality. It was an incredible trip about two weeks ago. And you uh, we got we got to see a good game too, John, which was which was a nice part of it as
0: well. Well, I was just going to ask you since you brought it up, uh, what did you make of? I mean, the trip itself, but more so the atmosphere of the game against Duke. It was a great win for Razorback fans, but just what was your takeaways from Bud Walton Arena for your first time?
1: Yeah, it was it was it was incredible. Um, you know, it, I had never been to that arena, obviously, and um, you know I think even so, the game was on Wednesday, I guess it was, and that morning I went to shoot around and being in an empty Bud wall, and it doesn't feel like a place that can hold 20,000 people. And so not surprisingly um, when it did hold 20,000 people and, and, you know, stuff went down in favor of the Razorback, um, you know, it was a, a amazing experience, a positive experience, a loud experience, all that, you know, it was, it was surreal, John. And I know I, I mentioned this to you after the game, I saw you, you know, kind of in the post game stuff, but it, it was a weird game to be at because, what was it about the six, seven minute mark a battle hits the three and the game's basically over. And the whole thing turns into a big party. The student section is right in front of us as media members. And it's just a big party for the final, you know, six of the final seven minutes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you look up and they can't get the ball past half court. It's like a four point game with 30 seconds to go and Duke has the ball. So it was, it was really fun. It was definitely, you know, I think it gave coach Muss a little bit of extra gray hair, uh, after, uh, you know, when it was all said and done as opposed to when there was probably seven or eight minutes left on the clock, but that was obviously a big win. I know it didn't go well last Saturday in, in, in Oklahoma, in, in, in Tulsa, I think, was where the game was played, or Oklahoma City, excuse me. But I just bring it up because that is and will be a good win. I know Duke's struggling a little bit, but I promise you they're going to get back on track, and that one didn't look really good as the season this time.
2: Aaron, how was your experience all together? Because you did the combo, you got to see an Arkansas game at Bud Walton, but you also went to a Kansas game.
1: I sure did. Yeah, no, rock shock. It was no. That, that, Kansas was awesome too. And I, I, you know, I don't know if there will be a scenario where hogs where the hogs get to go. But I mean, even if they don't, I mean, what is it for about a four four and a half hour drive for you guys? It, it's a great place to watch a game. Uh, it is different than anywhere I've ever been. Just the history of it. You know, I've been to most of the big ones at this point, including Bud Walton. I've been to, you know, the Carrier Dome, Rupp Arena, stores, McHale Center in Tucson, Arizona. But Fog really was different. It was, it was, it was a great atmosphere. Another, you know, place that it's amazing how many people they fit into a small space. For people who haven't been there yet, uh, it's virtually the all bleachers. So you know, it really is straight out of the 1950s. It gets really loud. It gets really hot. Uh, and I saw a much more competitive game in that one um, because UConn really made it competitive. Kansas ended up winning. They were the deserving winner. So it was an awesome trip overall. I mean, I really, I got to spend a little time in Kansas City while I was there. So just overall, really, really fun trip. And obviously for a college hoops said like me, it was bucket list stuff. But yeah, for any Hogs fan, whoever has the opportunity to go to Fall Gallon, even if the Hogs aren't playing, I encourage it. But certainly if the Hogs ever do play there, you got to get there.
0: Speaking so with Aaron Torres, uh, Fox Sports Radio, and the Aaron Torres podcast here on Out of Bounds. So, Aaron, uh, how does the rest of the year look like for you? Because I know we still got bowl games coming up. There's college basketball. I know there's NBA and uh, portal season, and transfers, all that stuff. So, just how is the the rest of the year, at least over the next few weeks, looking for you, and uh, maybe maybe some other travel arrangements you'll be having? Well,
1: the Rose Bowl is about ten minutes from where I live. Now, I'm doing a lot of radio over the holidays. I'll be doing. The national postgame show on January 1 when the two semifinals go final. Um, so I'm going to actually probably get to the Rose Bowl for a little bit because it's the early game. Um, but mostly I'm actually kind of done traveling. I travel for Thanksgiving and then I obviously travel the following week to Fayetteville and St. Lawrence. So I'm kind of done traveling. Um, You know, this week was nice. I know these poor college kids all have finals. I don't envy them and and the studying and everything going on. But it was kind of nice to not have a lot going on at the nighttime, not a lot of games. Obviously, the portal, you know, we all keep up with. But, um, you know, that stuff moves so fast. And and I think the portal and kind of National Signing Day kind of certainly gives us some interesting conversations to have from the football side. But, yeah, I think this week has kind of been a little bit of a down week. You know, next week will obviously uh, probably be – somewhat similar, uh, and then obviously, you know, the week after, you know, the, the week following Christmas, I know that a lot of people have off, but for obviously anybody in the media, there's going to be a lot of bowl games, which leads into major bowl games, which leads into the college football playoff, and then, you know, once we turn the calendar to 2024, I guess it would be, um, you know, college hoops will really be in full swing, so it really doesn't slow down. I mean, it was funny, even my wife last night, you know, I did a basically a show because, the portal's going crazy and da-da-da-da-da. She said, I thought you were supposed to slow down now that the season's done. And I said, yeah, it really doesn't slow down now until, really, if you love college basketball too, until like May, June, because of the portal in basketball as well. So I'll say this, I'd rather be I'd rather be busy uh, than not busy. So I really don't mind it. I love what I do. I know you guys do too, so it's fun. Uh, and, yeah, it doesn't bother me at all that, it, that it, it stays busy even through the holidays and all that stuff.
2: Aaron, another bowl game in your area, the L.A. Bowl, formerly hosted by Jimmy Kimmel, now hosted by Gronk. Have you ever been to the L.A. Bowl?
1: I have not. Uh, Next, you know, you talk, uh, you know, I just mentioned kind of taking it easy. I will say uh, next Thursday night the Rams play Thursday night football at SoFi Stadium. So I will be at SoFi Stadium next Thursday. Um, And it's a great stadium. I, I was at the Georgia TCU National Championship game last year. It's an incredible venue, beautiful venue. So uh, I cannot say that I have ever attended an LA Bowl. I cannot say that I'm planning on attending this LA Bowl. I assume it's probably on Saturday. I'll be honest, I'd be lying lying if I said that outside of those major games, you know, the the Georgia Florida State, uh, you know, Penn State Ole Miss, whatever it is in the Beach Bowl, I'd be lying if I said I've really dug too deep into any of the, the bowl games besides the college football playoff semifinals. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to watch that one, UCLA, and all that. So I've not watched it, but I will be at SoFi Stadium in the next week for a bad Thursday night football game, which I literally just bought cheap tickets for uh this afternoon. So how about that?
0: <laughs> that works. Well, Aaron, uh, I know another uh, thing that's been going on, and some we've definitely been talking about is the SEC football schedule getting released yeah. yesterday. Uh, knew who everybody was playing in the SEC, just didn't know the dates and everything, but. As far as just the SEC in general, what was probably the biggest thing that stood out to you?
1: I think the biggest thing, honestly, John, when when we found out about Texas and Oklahoma all the way back in uh, 2021, um, I think we all just kind of had this idea of, oh, man, that's two really good programs coming into this conference, and Texas is maybe even at a level that none of us really thought at that time. But why I bring it up is I don't think enough people – you know, and I get it, right? Because we didn't really know—are there going to be divisions? Are there going to be fourteen pods? Like, what are we really looking at here? But now that we're just in this divisionless abyss, if you will, I think that's the biggest takeaway: is how much, in theory, um, you know, some of the teams in the West, their schedules get easier, and how much tougher schedules get for games teams in, in the East. I mean, you look at Georgia this year. They had no A&M, no LSU, no Alabama. Now, Ole Miss ended up being good, but I don't even think they were in the top 25 in the preseason. Well, next year, they have at Bama, they have at Ole Miss, uh, and they have they have Texas on the schedule. And, and they have no Vanderbilt and no, no South Carolina. You know, Kentucky, which has benefited for years from that SEC East, um, you know, I think it's no Vandy, no Missouri for them maybe, and I know Missouri was good this year, but they've been traditionally an up-and-down program. And so I think that'll be very interesting. You know, Florida's another one. They keep LSU. They add a They add Ole Miss. It's like no Vanderbilt. Things just got tough for them. So I think big picture, that's probably the biggest takeaway is I do think with, with no divisions, we're going to get a much more, you know, kind of fair and equitable way to determine who the best teams are in the conference. Now, everybody's not going to play everybody every year. We understand that. But with the divisions the way that they are, or, or with no divisions and with everybody basically playing everyone every other year, I do think it sets up where, again, those two teams that meet in Atlanta, by the way, I would argue we don't need an SEC championship game, but that's another conversation for another day. I, I bring it up because I do think those two teams that meet in Atlanta, uh, are it's going to be a, a more kind of accurate screenshot of, of who the two best teams are. I know some years, like this year, it works out that way, but there's been many years the two best teams are in the West, so... I, that that's the biggest takeaway to me looking at everybody's schedule overall.
2: The two additions to the SEC, Texas OU, who got the better end of the scheduling?
1: Um, I'll be honest. I haven't looked too closely, but one thing I was thinking about, I mean, I know Jalen Milrow announced he's coming back uh, yet uh, today, actually, and I don't think anybody thought he wasn't. But Quinn Ewers right now is trending to come back for Texas. I it, <laughs> Let me me be careful how I phrase this. Um, It is way too early. We don't know rosters. We don't know um, portal additions. We don't know final signing classes, whatever. But why I bring it up, Joe, is to answer your question. I don't know who got the better end of the schedule, but I think there's going to be a compelling argument if Quinn Ewers comes back that Texas should be the favorite in the SEC next year. Now, I'm not saying that's the case. I'm not saying they will be. And, again, we have to see what the total rosters look like when they shake out. Uh, and, by the way, we'll also see if Texas, you know, how they handle not just one or two marquee games a year, but literally five, six, seven, basically every week you're playing somebody pretty good. also, obviously, look, some really tough road environments at AM, at Arkansas, stuff like that, Georgia at home. So I just bring it up because I think that's kind of an interesting conversation as well as if Quinn Ewers does come back with the way that he's been playing the last three or four weeks, a lot of young guys along both those lines be an interesting, you know, be an interesting, let me say this sec media days next week, next year is in Dallas. I think, I don't know if I'll be there. I know you guys probably will be. And I think it would be an interesting, you know, media room, backroom conversation. If Texas is voted, is picked to win the league. I think that would be an interesting conversation.
0: So Aaron, uh, I know that uh, this with college basketball, there's a lot of other storylines, but I'm curious what your thoughts on with this Louisville situation, man. Like, Louisville's been really bad. I mean, like, historically just trash. And then you throw into the mix of them announcing that the certain player on the roster has uh, left the team and entered the transfer portal or whatever. And then he comes out on social media saying, I never had any discussions about leaving the team. I wanted to be here. I don't know where this came from. He's in there at the game in person to see them lose. Just What do you make of the mess that seems to be Louisville basketball right now?
1: By the way, shout out to the Arkansas State Red Wolves, baby. I don't know if, you know, Little Rock is Red Wolves country, but uh, their first year coach, Brian Hodgson, he was uh, Nate Oates' longtime right-hand man, really, really uh, talented, young, rising guy. It's bad. And, you know, I I will say, um, you know, listen, every circumstance is different, um, but I don't believe there is any excuse to be this bad at a place like Louisville in the transfer portal era. And I was actually kind of blown away two portal cycles ago because they really didn't get anybody of substance. And, and Kenny Payne, who's their head coach uh, is supposed to be a recruiting guru. He was obviously John Calipari's longtime assistant in Kentucky. And so I just bring it up guys, because listen, it's not my school. What they do is up to them. It doesn't make one I of difference to me, but I do think that, First of all, I think it's embarrassing from the coaching staff that there seems to be no urgency. There's, you know, when you're bad and when you're not playing well, you can present it to a certain way in the fans that make you sympathetic. Hey guys, girls, we appreciate everybody's support. We know we're going through some stuff. We need you to stick by us. But Kenny Payne goes to the podium every, every, every game. And he basically said, he takes no accountability. It's, Hey, listen, my, my goal is to help these these kids and be the best version of themselves. It's like, yeah, I get it. But there's also people paying money out of their pockets to come watch you pay that that, that come watch you play that deserve a slightly better product. So I, I I don't know what they do. Um I don't think he'll be back for year three barring something shocking. Um I just think at this point it comes down to like, does he get let go during this season, which is kind of unthinkable, you know, not even through two years. He's an alum of the school. He was part of the, you know, one of the national championship teams. So he was kind of an icon coming in. And I just sit there and say, I just don't know. um, I I just don't know how as a competitor, as an alum, as whatever, you can go out and put out such a lousy product and not take any accountability for it. But it's bad. And obviously, again, shout out to the Red Wolves who got the victory last night. But it is bad there, man. It is.
2: Best team in college basketball right now. Your top five, Arizona, Kansas, Purdue, Houston and UConn coming in at number five.
1: Yeah, I think it's Arizona. They've won at Duke in the opening week of the season, and I've said since then I think they're the best team that I've seen. Uh, They play Purdue this weekend in Indianapolis. I think that's going to be a very interesting game because Arizona actually matches up very well with them. Purdue will obviously have essentially a home court advantage. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I, I think Arizona's the best team right now. Uh, and, and we're going to see some peaks and valleys, you know, uh, following Utah as kind of closely as I do. There was one point in the big East portion of the schedule last year, where I think they lost four of six or five of seven or something like that. And then really got hot towards late March in, or, or late February in, in late January into February, into March, essentially. Okay. Um, and so I, I don't think a loss for anybody at this time of year is earth shattering, but I would say that the, the, the Four best teams that I've seen is Arizona, Purdue, Marquette, and UConn. Um, as a UConn guy, I don't think UConn has played anything close to their best yet. Uh, and I think Marquette's really good as well. Uh, probably not talked about enough, all things considered.
0: Aaron, got to ask you about Giannis and uh-huh. his game ball situation. Have you ever seen Dude, anything I like really that? I don't really
1: look too into this. Yeah. I don't really look too into this. So, what? It, okay, so – Yama scored like sixty-four points or whatever. It was it was crazy. Yep. And so somebody wanted to give him a game ball, and they gave it to Oscar Shiboy instead. I, I I really haven't looked into it, John. I'll be honest. Lay it on me. Give me the juice.
0: So essentially, what it was is that he set a franchise record for sixty-four points, and they beat the Pacers, and it was a great game, and he wanted the game ball, but the Pacers were gonna. They wanted. The, they took the game ball. Like made sure that they got the game ball to give it to Oscar Shibley for scoring yeah. his very first points as an NBA player, and Giannis wasn't having it. So he was trying to find He started screaming at the Pacers player. He ran in through the tunnel, going trying to get to the locker room to get that game ball, and he was infuriated by it. And then he even said that uh, he got a game ball, but it's not the game ball. It doesn't feel the same way. It doesn't feel worn, and doesn't feel like the right mm. one. So, yeah, and, and Rick Carlisle came out and – uh, had a statement about it, said it's unfortunate. You know, this is what was going on. This is what we're doing. So, yeah, it was basically where the Pacers were kind of being little buttheads, as I like to put it, of just not giving the man <laughs> the game ball who scored 64 points and giving it to your guy that scored one point in his first points as a NBA player. Huh.
1: Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I don't know. I feel like if I say what I re- – I feel like everything I say is negative about the NBA. I mean, I think it's kind of soft to be honest. Like, I don't think you're just entitled to the game ball. Like it be it's nice, like like, you know, I know it's a little bit different, but if if a guy hits a home run, a, a historic home run and the fan doesn't want to give it back, like the fan isn't obligated to give it back. Now I know usually there's some financial thing that gets played out. But like I, I just thought that somebody asked for it and the Pacers refused and said, oh, we gave it to Oscar Chibwe. I didn't know that Giannis threw up a big stink about it. I don't know. That, that's that, that's kind of my takeaway.
2: That, that's kind of basically what it was, that they asked for it back, or Giannis wanted it back, and then they were like, no, we, it's ours.
1: <laughs> It'd be funny if like, Oscar Chibwe pulled like the baseball fan thing and was like, yeah, write me a check for 100000 You can have it. Just <laughs> like another NBA player. Just like, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We can put it up for auction, or you can just give me, you know, you can just write me a check, whatever you want. Yeah, I I mean, that's kind of my takeaway. Guys, I'll be honest, like, I try. I used to be a huge NBA fan. Um, The league has kind of largely turned me off the last probably 10 years or so. Uh, I think Giannis is an incredible talent. Um, And so I just feel like everything I say is negative about the NBA. But that feels a little soft to me that you feel like you're entitled to the game ball. Um, But, yeah, that's just my opinion.
0: All right, between that and Draymond Green throwing bows and getting ejected all the time. and try, I mean, it's it's chaos well, right now, it seems like, in the NBA of people getting very that's frustrated. That's the other thing.
1: I, I saw the Draymond stuff, and then I immediately saw the, well, you know, I mean, he clearly has bigger anger issues that need to be resolved. It's like, no, not not everyone in this world has to instantaneously become a victim. Like, some guys can just be jerks. Some guys can be... To quote the great philosopher John Neighbors, they can just be big buttheads, okay? Like, <laughs> you know, not everybody has to be a sympathetic figure, and Draymond Green uh, is certainly not that. Now, Giannis didn't punch any didn't, didn't take a swing at anybody. You know, I'll be honest, guys. I know you guys have a lot of OKC Thunder fans in your area. I've been out on Draymond Green since he kicked Steven Adams in the you-know-what and the you-know-where during the 2016 months